Overflow podcast. We pray that you are encouraged with this message. For more information, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says this, May the God of peace, who through the blood of his internal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. One translation says every good thing for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom glory forever and ever. Amen. So he talks about us being under the leadership of the shepherd, which is what we talked about. And then he says this, may that shepherd equip you with everything you need for what? For fulfilling the will of God. How many know that God always has a plan? God is the great mastermind. I mean, he created the universe and he created cells in which that they interact with one another. And he created us as people, the way that we interact in the universe and everything's so, so precise and so perfect and so dialed in that God was able to create life, so much life for, for it to function. When you get a wound, it will heal itself eventually, right? So, so God has created this system of things. He is the great architect. He is the great planner. And whenever he created the heavens and the earth, how many know that he knew about you? And he knew how you would fit in to his plan. That is a beautiful thing that we can actually, we, we a finite human, a, a person that, that has a, a lifespan of, you know, 100 years. Word. So those that have a lifespan is somewhere between 70 and 100 years. I'm believing for 100. Are you with me? As long as I'm functional. And so the thing is, is God, God planned it so that, that even in our short lifespan that we would somehow fit into the plan of God. You know, one of the things that makes you different than the world around you and the people that don't take their faith seriously is that you desire to fulfill the will of God. It carries a lot of weight in your life, right? There's not a day go by that I don't think about, am I fulfilling the will of God? Am I living in the dead center of the will of God? This, is, this, this, is, this carries a lot of weight. It, it, it'll drive your dreams. It'll demand your desires. It will direct your prayers and determine the decisions that you make. You're different because when you said, Lord, Lord, you meant it. Come on. How many know that? How many know people that have had lip service before and they've been like, oh, Jesus is Lord, and that didn't really mean anything for their life? They were just making the statement. And it's a great statement to make. It's an absolutely true statement that Jesus is Lord. But have you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus? What does that mean? Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus means that I will live my life to please him that he will be the goal and he will be the focus of my life. And since it carries so much weight in our lives, I want to spend the next weeks, following weeks, talking about this journey that we're on to fulfill the will of God. It is obvious, you know, some people kind of believe this thing that God's will always happens, that everything that's going on in the earth, somehow God planned that to happen. Now, to me, reading Scripture, it's obvious that it's not an automatic thing that transpires since there's an abundance of Scripture instructing us how to pray, how to fulfill, and how to do the will of God. So if God's will automatically happen, then why is there so much Scripture about fulfilling it? Why is there so much Scripture about praying it? 
No, we need to pray it. We need to fulfill it. It needs to be a drive in our life. It doesn't just happen. You don't wake up one day and the will of God just happen. You have to participate. It's called free will, right? We have the free will to surrender that free will to God's will. Are you with me? So here's a few scriptures about the will of God. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. That's scary. We call that lip service, right? Lord, Lord. They don't fulfill the will of God. What does Jesus say about that? 1 John 2, 17. The world and, its all desi- and, and all its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So you don't get to live forever because you do things your way. You get to, do, you get to live forever because you do things God's way. Matthew 6.10, we quote this all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we focus a lot on that as it is in heaven, but what is the heart of the prayer? Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my family. Let your will be done in my city. Let your will be done in my church. Let your will be done in my community. Let your will be done in the nations. This is the cry of the believer that partners with Jesus and prays what he wants us to pray. Your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. This is the focus of our life. James chapter 4, verse 13. Here's another one. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while that vanishes. I mean, you know that 70, 80 years is just a little bit compared to eternity. It's just a vapor. It's just a scratch of the, of the eternal surface. As it is, you who boast and brag. I'm sorry, back up. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. How many times do we make our plans? Man, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And never submit that plan to God. Never go to God and ask him, Lord, what is your plan? Let me tell you today. I, I remember when I was 18 years old and I gave my life to Jesus. And we had a, we, we were, I, I decided, I was like, man, I, I'm serving God, so we're going to get together, we're going to have these prayer meetings at our youth group, and I remember like four people showed up, because not a lot of people show up to pray. And so, we had this little prayer meeting, we had little, little chairs, and I, so, of course, you know, I was 18 years old, and I had something to say, you know what I'm saying, I had something to teach somebody, and I called the prayer meeting, so I was going to direct everybody a little bit. So, I started talking, got all these people together, I said, listen, for me, I want to fulfill the will of God. And I remember telling them, and I remember saying this statement. It's so funny. I I look back at it. I was like, I don't even want to buy a pair of jeans if it's not God's will for me to buy those pair of jeans. And I look at that, I look back at that and be like, should I be that concerned about a pair of jeans? Probably not. But but what I do see that 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 I have not lost and that that I long for is to really fulfill the will of God. Right? I don't think that you need to pray for every pair of jeans that you buy. You might need to pray about, do you need to spend money? How do you need to spend your money this week, this month? Right? Come on. There's wisdom in that. But I remember my heart at that moment just being, man, God, I want whatever you want for me. From the littlest thing to the biggest thing, what is God's will? And I remember we prayed that night about the will of God. So how many times do we make our plans? Right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to dream, dream, dream. And what are we doing? Many times we dream. 
we plan, we scheme, do it all without God. Never, never submit it to the Lord. Never ask the Lord for direction. We just kind of move along. And then at the end of the day, we go, Lord. Hmm? Y'all all right today? This is, let me finish this. As it is, you boast and brag. What causes boasting and bragging when we accomplish things? I did it. Look what I did. Well, when we submit things to God, we have to give him credit for it because it was his plan. We just said yes to it. So what happens is it develops a boastful spirit in the things that we did. Why does it develop a boastful spirit? Because we did it without God. We did it on our own. We did it in our own power. We did it according to our own will, not according to his. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows to do the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Another translation, I believe the New King James says, anyone who knows to do good and doesn't do it sins. What is it talking about? The will of God. If you know to do the will of God and you don't do it, you're living in sin. Now, let me kind of, we, we kind of have this kind of cloudy, mystical, the will of God, right? God, God is a mysterious God. Can I tell you that God is not caught up in being mysterious? He's not as mysterious as you think that he is. He, he's infinite. He's, he's intricate. He's, he's very intense in his involvement. He's, he's, he's hard to grasp, but if you have the mind of the spirit, you can actually understand God. Nobody knows his ways. Except for in the New Testament, when that scripture is quoted, it says, no man knows the ways of God except that he has revealed it by his spirit. So you can know, the, and we're going to talk about that a lot during this series, that you can actually know what God thinks about certain things. Come on, are you with me? You can actually know what God's heart is about issues and situations and circumstances. You can know all that because you have the mind of Christ, because you have the Holy Spirit. So how many of you agree that it's important that we know God's will? What job should I take? Who should I marry? Where should I go to college? Should I go to college? What kind of career? Oh, yeah, of course you should, because you're in America. What kind of career should I aim for? What ministry does God have for me? How many know that God has a ministry for everyone, not just people that do it full time? Right? Your ministry might be a, a construction business. That might be your ministry. Your ministry might be a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or whatever it is. That might be your ministry. Come on, how many know that as a believer, everything you do is ministry? When I do graphic design for people to make money, it's a ministry. Even though I, just because I make money from it doesn't mean that it's not a ministry. If, that, if that's the case, then, then uh, I shouldn't be a pastor, right? Okay. Uh, so my ministry looks different than your ministry. But this needs to be a thing that you concern yourself with a little bit. Not that you stress out about it. Not that you get frustrated about it. I've seen so many people get frustrated about the will of God. There's no frustration in it. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. And we're, that's why we're devoting this series to this, to kind of get rid of some of that cloudiness. What, is, what ministry does God want me to have? Where should I live? How can I know God's will in this situation? There's really kind of two areas uh, that we need to know God's will in. One is directional. That would be like the direction of our life course, big decisions. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to work, right? Things that are going to really take a lot of time for you. Then you need to know the will of God directional. But you also need to know the will of God situational. How should I respond in this situation, right? Almost, I'm going to just say almost, almost like the pair of jeans thing. 
right? It might be ridiculous for me to pray that, but, but, but should I? Maybe we should pray. I, listen, this is what's funny. When I've prayed about little things, I remember one time, um, Leslie and I, we were youth pastoring in, uh, in El Paso, and we had a cafe, and I said, Lord, I really want a cash register. I was, I was working on the stage, like wrapping cords up one, one day, and I was on the stage, and I prayed. I remember praying it. as just a real simple prayer. I said, Lord, we need a cash register for our cafe. And I walked outside. It, 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 I said 100 bucks for the cash register. So I walk outside, and when I walk outside, a guy that, goes, that went to our church that kind of served a little bit in the youth ministry pulls up in his car, and he said, hey, I just wanted to give you this, and it was 100 bucks, like that. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, okay, I guess I'll go by the register. Lord answered my prayer. How many know that sometimes if we would just ask God for things, his, it, it actually allows us to partner with his will a little bit and him to be a source of provision. Whereas if I wouldn't have paid for that, we probably would have found the money. God would have provided it another way. But God wanted to do that because I asked him, and he likes to show off. He does. He's a good, good father. So... Directional. What am I going to do? Where am I going? But also situational. So I want to talk this morning about three core beliefs and understanding the will of God or God's will. Three core beliefs. Okay, these are three things that are absolutely for certain about the will of God for you. All right? First of all is the common will of God for humanity. Okay, the common will of God for humanity. Just say the common will of God. I'm going to call it that for lack of better word for it. I'm sure there's some theological word that I could probably impress you with if I would have spent, you know, about 10 more minutes on Google and found it. But I didn't. So common. The common will of God. What does that mean? It means this is God's will for everyone. The first is this, and there's four parts of that. Number one is we were created for dominion. Genesis chapter 128. God put man on the earth. What for? To take dominion. What is what does that mean? What does kingdom of God mean? Kingdom means king's domain. King's dominion. So when God put man on the earth, he put man on the earth to extend his kingdom. When we think kingdom, we always think heaven, right? That's a long way. No, no, no. God said, I want my kingdom, the earthly kingdom, look like the heavenly kingdom. So I'm going to put man down there on the earth to manage my kingdom on the earth. So God puts you on the earth to spread his dominion. Dominion over sickness, dominion over disease, dominion over poverty, dominion over aches and pains, all those kind of things. Dominion to, to, to get rid of death and rule life. God created man for dominion. It's the common will of God. God wants you to, to dominate. When we talk about dominate, we automatically kind of think suppressing people. No, no, no. We don't suppress people. We empower people. Right? We have the upside down kingdom. Number two, we're commanded to love God. Now, we read this in the law, but Jesus, is co- Jesus comes back and he emphasizes in Matthew twenty two, thirty seven, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Every morning on the, when I take my kids to school, we, we do a couple of things, okay? We get in the car and we, we make a declaration. We say, today's going to be a good day. Today I'm going to obey these, that, 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 and the other. And then right after we do that, they do their quick kid flow memory verse. This is all within like three minutes. They do their kid flow memory verse. And we go over the kid flow memory verse. And, they, and you guys should do this with your kids. And we, we go over the kid flow memory verse. And, you know, I kind of walk them through it. And we're kind of going. And then I pray over them. Come on, are you with me? And so I pray over the Lord. I pray that we have an amazing day. All this kind of stuff. And then when we get done with their prayer, we say, and today I declare together. And we say, I'm going to love the Lord my God 
with all my heart, we do it just like that, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. We do it just like that. We have all the little motions so they don't forget. So every day on the way to school, we declare this. Why? Because we know that God has commanded us to love him that way. The reason why God commanded you to love him that way is because that's the way he loves you. With all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength. So really all he wants is for you to love him in return and to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it beautiful? So it's God's will that everyone would take God's dominion on the earth And would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're commanded to love God. It's the will of God. It's God's will for you to love him. How many know this? God's will for you to love him more today than it was yesterday. Because none of us, none of us can sit here and say, check the box and say, do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? On a scale from 1 to 10. Well, today, today's like, that sounded cool. Today's like a, 85% 85% day. Are we still falling short? Yeah, because, ah, falling short, but good thing you got the grace of God. Right? But that's the goal, right? Because it's what God's commanded us to, to love him with everything. I mean, you know, you can't love him too much. Because even if you loved him with everything, you'd probably still fall short because there's distractions and all this junk in your life. So we're all, com- we're all created for dominion. We're all co- commanded to love God. Number three, we're called to believe and follow Christ. John chapter 6, 29, Jesus says this, the work of God is to believe in the one he has sent. It is God's will for you to believe and follow Jesus. It's his will. It's his plan. His plan is, it wasn't just to send Jesus so we could write a good book about him. His plan is that we would put our trust in Jesus and follow him for the rest of our life. That's God's plan. Number four. We're commissioned to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 28, 19. Sounds a lot like Genesis 1, doesn't it? The whole earth, right? Go and tell them. Preach the gospel, right, to all creation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. We call this the Great Commission. We're all called to it. We are all called to advance the gospel of the kingdom, all of the above that we talked about. You were created for dominion, right? You are created to love God. All fall short. Well, you fall short, I fall short, but the good news is, is if we believe Jesus and follow him, it sets us up to surrender to God's will. So again, this is the common will for humanity, created for dominion, commanded to love God, called to believe and follow Christ, and number four, commissioned to advance the gospel of the kingdom. This is God's will for you, Regardless, regardless of what you think, regardless of where you're at, this is the common will of God. It's God's will for everyone to do those things. There's not, not stuff you need to pray about. You just need to do it. You, you need to pray for the power to do it. Come on, you've got to rely. You've got to trust Jesus to be able to do it. However, we deal with all these specifics, right, of the will of God. Okay, that's great. We know that. Now what? What does it look like for me to fit in to that. What does it look like? You know, one of the struggles uh, that we have as, as people, as followers of Christ, is we're so, we're so consumed with the specifics of my individual purpose. Right? We're, I mean, how many of y'all, I mean, this is a struggle I've had. I, I'm, I'm all the time, God, what, what do you want? What do you want? How many of y'all, like, I mean, this is just, come on. We raise hands here. You, you help your pastor. 
I mean, this is like something I'm like, God, I really want to want what you want. But so many times we get consumed with, it's Josh Brown and Josh Brown's little world and my little thing. God's will. What is God's will for my life? Right? It's not just what is God's will. It's God's will for my life. How, do, how does it work with me? How does it benefit me? And so what we do is so many times we isolate ourselves that we're blinded to the big plan of God. Right? God has this global plan. So one of the ways that you can fulfill the will of God for your life individually is by asking yourself the question, how do I fit in to God's common plan? Listen, God is not trying to fit into your plan. He's trying to fit you into his. He's not trying to fit you. He's not just trying to fit into what your plans are and the things that you're doing. He's not just trying to figure out how to get involved in, in, the, in the little things of your life. He's wanting you to get into his plan. And when you get into his plan, your plan takes care of itself. We could probably just end the series right there. Listen, I read this quote a couple weeks ago. It's great. It says, God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. So God has this plan. How do you fit into it? If you would consume your life with that, you would no longer be so burdened and so troubled by, what, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? All of a sudden, everything just kind of starts lining up. And there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about in this series that will help you with the kind of the nitty-gritty, the specifics, the, the details, the practicals. How does that work? How does that look? So, number one is the common will of God for humanity. Number two, we were designed for him for his purpose. Colossians 1.16. about to go somewhere, but I'm trying to figure out if that's the will of God. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1.16. For by him, all things were created. Okay? By him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. God didn't create you for you. God didn't create you for you. God created you for him. He created you for himself, for his enjoyment, for his pleasure. It sounds funny, but God's will for your life is not about you. Well, I want to be successful, and I want to be happy, and I want to be enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to have all those things, too. Guess what? God does, too. But it's not for you. It's for him. I mean, one of the things that brings me pleasure so much with my kids is when they're happy, when they're functioning in their gifts. I told Judah the other day, he's, you know, he, he's a little tender guy, and sometimes that drives me crazy. But, but other times, like, I look at it, I'm like, man, I wish I was that tenderhearted. And he just, he loves really well. He loves really well. And I watch the way he loves his little brother and his little sister, and he just always wants to kiss them. And, I mean, he overwhelms them with his affections. He really does. And so when he does that, my heart is just, Sometimes I'm like, well, you need to calm down. But, but, but when I, I saw him the other day, and he was, just, he was just loving them, and I told him, I said, son, I love the way that you love. I love the way that you love people. And it just ravished my heart. You know what? That's how the Father feels about us. He loves when we're functioning at our best. He loves when we're functioning, fulfilling his purpose, functioning the way that he created us to function. 
He's not, he's not mad. He's not upset. He's not irritated at you. But his will for your life isn't about you. The greatest lie of our culture is this, do whatever makes you happy. It's the biggest lie. No, do whatever makes you holy. Happiness comes. Happiness comes. And happiness goes. It's called happiness because it depends on what's happening. Right? So just do whatever. I saw a Target the other day. I was walking. They had this cool thing. He's like, do whatever makes you happy. And every time I see that, I'm just like, but it's not going to make you happy. It will today, and it might tomorrow, but you will not be fulfilled by making yourself happy because you weren't created for you. You were created for him. We are most fulfilled in fulfilling his will. That's when we're most fulfilled. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to wake up and there's going to be rainbows and pots of gold and riding on unicorns and, you know, Fart and glitter. I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff's not, it's not always going to be like that, you know? <laughs> I mean, it normally happens for me, but <laughs> I'm a pastor. I don't fart. Come on. Okay. Sorry, baby. All right. Bartle do. Listen, I've found that living my life to make Jesus happy happy actually works for my fulfillment. It actually works for my good. I, I in turn, at the end of the day, I go, it's good, Lord. High five. We did good today. Right? And you guys know how it is when, when the will of God is waiting on you, and you know those days that you didn't fulfill it? Right? We are most fulfilled by fulfilling his will. I found that living my life to make Jesus ha- happy actually works for my fulfillment. Check us out, Psalm 139. <clears throat> you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully, wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. How many know that when you were in your mama's womb, that God was orchestrating you? Right? Tissue and all these things. Can I tell you that when that was happening, destiny was being unfolded. In your DNA, God was creating all the things that you would ever do for God. All the dreams that God had were, were there in the womb. You know, there, there, many people have thought this, that I was born an accident, that my parents made a mistake. How many know that there's accidental parents, but there's not accidental children? Right? Babies don't be born by mistake. And parents make mistakes sometimes, but babies don't get born by mistake. Babies have a destiny for God, of the destiny of God in their life. Whether they're, whether they're two minutes old or they're 20 years old, they have a destiny at nine months or, or, or nine minutes. There's no accidental children, just accidental parents, right? Well, they were an accident. No, they weren't. <laughs> you just accidentally, oh, okay. We'll move along. Every day of my life, 
was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're born into. Some of y'all, you were born like in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Some of you were born in the most unlikely of situations, right? Like, there was, like you were born and they're like, well, maybe better luck next time. Some of you, listen, for real, some of y'all feel like that because of the situation that you're born into, because the home that you were born into. Can I tell you that God had a plan even when you were in the womb, before you even came out looking like that? And all your splendor, right? And all your good lookingness. There was a plan of God before we anybody ever saw that. God had a plan. And he built it into your DNA. Before a single so it don't matter what you're born into. What matters is what you're born again into. Start walking into that destiny. I love this. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be listen, the fact that you were born screams destiny. The God, the great master planner, the fact that you were born, that God chose to put you on the earth, says that you play a part in his big, big plan. No wonder you're so miserable when you're not fulfilling it. Because that's not what you were built for. You were built for more. I saw a thing the other day that said, believe the big or dream big. And I wanted to say, er, on the end of big. Because no matter how big your dream is, there's always a bigger dream. Because you're part of an eternal, vast plan. How do you fit into it? I can't even count them. I can't, can't count the thoughts of God. There's, they, they outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you're still there. God, you have all this. You created all this. Yet you created me. You fashioned me. You formed me. You designed me. You had a specific for me. Your thoughts towards me are good. Here I am. Ready to do your will. Listen, you were primed for purpose. God created you for incredible things, things that you can never, that you can only accomplish through the power of Christ. Because his purpose is so much bigger for us, his purpose for you is so much bigger than you. You are created with limitless potential, eternal potential inside of you. You were created for that. So it's time to dream with God. It's time to say, man, God, what do you have me for here for? And listen, what you might think might be a big dream, God probably thinks is pretty small, right? So just take off the, the blinders of what you think success looks like. Stop looking at others in comparison and understand that God created you because there's things that only you can do. There's people that can only be reached because you're alive. There's things that can only be accomplished on the earth because you're alive. And if you weren't alive, those things would never happen. It's like a big old puzzle with like nine billion pieces. And one of those pieces is missing. The puzzle's incomplete. But if you say, I'll put my piece in the puzzle, the picture's complete. There's a lot of weight on doing the will of God. And the good thing is that God has a way of working things out even when we're rascals. Come on. It's called grace. It's called his goodness. It's called his sovereignty. Number three, y'all are right today? Number three, the journey begins with trust. The journey begins with trust. This is a common scripture concerning the will of God, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We all know this, so you can quote it without even us re- going over it today. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? 
all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Right? You guys have heard this, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And in all your ways, say, God, what is your will? And he will show you which path to take. The will of God, the journey begins with trust. See, at trust, man, playing into God's plan, it just all starts with trusting him. First of all, trusting that what he says about you is true. Trusting what he says about you. This has to do with your identity. We talked a little bit about your identity as far as why you were born. But John 1.12 says this, you, you all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave you the right to become children of God. See, how many know that you weren't a child of God? You were a creation of God, but you weren't a child of God until you were born again. You weren't a child of God until you believed in Jesus. That's what makes you a child of God. People say, oh, we're all God's children. No, 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 no we're not. We're all God's creation. We're not God's children until we believe in Jesus. That's what makes us children of God. Because of the Son, we can all be sons. Right? So everything that we do is rooted in that identity. Jesus, check this out. Mark chapter 1, verse 10. Jesus coming out of the water when he saw heaven being torn open. I love that, torn open. Come on, who tore it open? The Father. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove, a voice came from heaven, you are my son and whom I love and whom I am pleased. Okay, so this is Jesus getting baptized, right? We all know the story. Jesus goes, John the Baptist, John the Baptist is baptizing people, and Jesus comes, he's like, hey, I want you to baptize me, John. John's like, John's like what, what are you talking about? You need to be, you need to be baptizing me. I'm so humble, Lord. No, 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 no. You're going to look. Right? And then we see heaven tore open. I love that. Stripped open. Light comes down. Holy Spirit. Jesus. And then a voice. So here's Jesus, you know, 30 years old or something. And all these people are like watching in this voice. You are my beloved son and whom I am pleased. Now listen, this is before Jesus had started his earthly ministry. This is before he had ever done anything on the earth. He hadn't done a miracle yet. He hadn't preached a message on a mountain yet. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead yet. He hadn't, you know, judged the religious people yet. He hadn't done any of that yet. Yet he heard a voice from heaven saying, you're my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen, the fact that God called you, that says, I want you to be my son, reveals that he has pleasure in you and he wants to use you for his plan. It reveals his delight in you. God likes, say that, God likes me. He picked you because he likes you. I remember when I was a kid, we used to play uh, kickball, right? I was always that one guy at the end of the line. I guess we'll take Josh, you know. It's not that way with God. It's not that way with God. The thing I was like, I always voted for the guy to be the captain that was like my friend because I thought he'd pick me first, and that usually didn't happen anyway. Um, so, anyway. And so, but you knew, like, if you had the connection, they would pick you, right? Because they like you. It wasn't really because of your skill set. It wasn't because you were good at kickball. It's because they liked you, Right? God picked you because he likes you. 
He didn't put you at the end of the line going, well, I guess I'll tank now. They're pretty screwed up. But, well, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving you because I don't want to be working on anything. Right? No, God picked you because he likes you. It's easy to run around going, oh, God loves me. God. How many know that God likes you? That he delights in you. He actually, he really does like you. And the things that you do that are annoying to everybody else, he likes those things. I'm not going to tell you that quietly because you're too boastful about that. God likes it. Okay. Number two. So trust in what he says about you. The very fact that he called you his own says that he, he, like, he delights in you. He wants you. He wants you to play a part of his plan. Number two, trust that his journey is the best journey. Trust that his journey is the best journey. That there is no other way to live. I came to Jesus in 1993. I was 18 years old. And it has ups and downs. It has challenges. It has struggles. But I can tell you that it's been the most fulfilling adventure. The... The only thing that I've been without since I've been serving Jesus is regret. I've never, never regretted serving Jesus. I never regretted doing the right thing or standing up for Never regretted that. Never regretted giving myself over to the will of God. Could I have made more money? Yeah, sure, I could have made more money. Could I have had more friends? Probably, probably could have had more friends. But I don't regret any of that. My life is full. And I can tell you that it's the most exciting adventure that I've ever done. But it all come down to this moment where I said, Jesus... I trust you. I'm not talking about going to church. I was going to church for like two years before this moment happened. But I said, Jesus, I trust that your journey is the best journey. I was about to go to architecture school and, you know, make all this money designing buildings. Then I thought, well, after I started serving Jesus, I was like, well, I'll just design churches. And he's like, eh, no. I was like, okay. Listen, you will never regret trusting your journey to him. Never. Things are going to happen that you don't understand. There's going to be detours. There's going to be delays. There's going to be derailings. There's going to be deceptions along the way. But we live in trust. We've given our lives. And it's so easy to be on this journey with God when I just go, I don't know how I'm going to get paid. We moved out here three years ago. I don't know how I'm going to get paid. That's exactly what it was. I don't know how I'm going to put food in my 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 baby's mouth, my kids, I don't know how they're going to eat. I don't know where we're going to live. We're, we're technically, Leslie always hates when I say this, we were homeless for like two and a half weeks. That didn't mean we were living on the streets, but we were, we didn't have a house. We, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know this. But the whole time, it was just, it was a journey. It was okay. It was struggling. It was time. But th- at the end of the day, it was like, God, it is not on me. It's on you. Because I trust you for your will on the earth. And I'm partnering with it. And I said yes to it. And God in his great providence provided along the way. Romans 8.28. We love to quote this scripture. But let me tell you this. It says this. We know that God works the good for those that love him and those that have been called according to his purpose. Many people use this scripture like this. I'm going to do a, a series called Misquoted one day. And talk about the things that the Bible says, but it doesn't teach. Yeah. So this is one of them. Everything happens for a reason. 
quote the scripture. No, 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 no. It says that those that love God, what is that? That's part of that high calling to love him. And that are called according to his purpose. Those that have responded to him saying, will you follow me? God makes everything work out. That doesn't mean that he made that mean that he planned for somebody to cut you off in traffic or somebody to treat you wrong or someone to or sickness to happen in your body, but he works it. He goes, Oh, I don't really like that that happened. Let me figure out a way to make this work for them because they're living according to my purpose. That that isn't my purpose that that happened. That wasn't my plan that that happened, that that person was rude to them and bitter and sinful towards them and hurt them and wounded them. That wasn't my plan that they did it, but they did it, so I'm going to work it around, and I'm going to make it in such a way that it works for them. And instead of becoming a, a stumbling block, it's going to become a stepping stone to the next level. Instead of being set back, I'm going to set them up. That's how he do. That's how my God does. When something comes against me that is not the will of God because there's an outside force invading that, he goes, let me figure out a way to work it for Josh's advantage because my kingdom is on the line because he said yes to my will. Are you guys with me? This is how weighty the will of God is. So it's up to God to work those things. See, you don't have to connive. You don't have to figure things out. You don't have to get your hands involved. You just need to trust Jesus and allow him to work it out. And I know it's been hard. And I know there's been struggles along the way. But every one of those struggles, he's like, let me just figure out a way to make it fit and to help you out. Because my God works the good of those that love him. He works all that junk, all that stuff that wasn't good. He works it. He, he's a schemer, man. He's, he's the mastermind. He's like, come on, let me figure that out. Here you go, Jonathan. Let me, let, me, let me manage this in such a way that you're better because of it. That's what he does. Setbacks become setups. I'm going to read this scripture over you real quick, and we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 2, I haven't preached I didn't preach last week. I told you I was going to keep it a little longer today. So we'll get at it. My introduction is oh so short. Just kidding. All right. Ephesians 2. You know, can you just stand up? Let me read the word over you today. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is at work who is now at work in us, in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by his grace you have been saved, and God is raising us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order in the coming ages that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, through trust. And it's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. The grace is not from you. It's from God. And it's not by works. You don't get there because of your effort, because of your striving. Because if that was the case, you could boast. But it's not by works, so no one can boast. 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. Listen, God created you for good. We talk about the grace, the grace, the grace. It's just the grace, the grace. Listen, you were created to be a recipient of God's goodness and God's grace, but that, he saved you to do good works. He created you to do good works. That that word right here, workmanship, and I'm going to close with this. That word workmanship in the Greek is a word poema, which is where we get the word poem. Many translations say it this way, that you were God's poetic masterpiece. You were God's poetic masterpiece. So next time the enemy comes to you and tells you you're worthless, no. I was worth the price of Jesus. I'm God's poetic masterpiece. I'm not just some poem that God wrote and it's sticking on a shelf somewhere. No, no, no. It's the best one. It's the masterpiece. You're his workmanship. So it's talking about you were created to do good works. You are his masterpiece.